Hello, everyone. Um, I'm so happy to be here on Sunday Gathering. My name is Annie, and I'm one of the Simple Church Regional Directors at McMaster. And it's been a while since I've been in the studio, so I'm really excited to be bringing the word and getting to share what God has been putting on my heart. Um, so why don't we get started? So today we are going to study James 4 together. Um, we've been actually going through a mini-series through James, and next week we'll be finishing it off with James 5. But if you haven't been able to join us for the last few weeks or simply forgot what James is about, um, this book that we have been studying is likely written by Jesus' brother, uh, James. So in this book, it was written to a broad audience uh, rather than a specific group of people, um, focusing on major themes such as wisdom, faith, moral and ethical conduct. Um, his teaching was targeted to those who call themselves a follower of Jesus, calling them to be obedient, um, which is indicative of faith, which they say they have in Jesus. So today, as we read James 4 and we dissect what it really means um, to be a follower of Jesus, I pray that we would, um, that us as a church would respond, that we wouldn't just sit and listen on the stream, um, but listen uh, and hear what God has to say um, and um, speak to us in our hearts. So why don't we read James 4? We're going to read the whole entire chapter. So um, James 4, chapter 1. It says, What is the source of wars and fight among you? Don't they come within your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you have asked with the wrong motives. So you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think it's without reason that the scripture says, the spirit has made to dwell in us envies intensely. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one, only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But you, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such city and spend a year there doing business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live to do this or that. 
But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know um, the good and yet not do it. Why don't we pray, church? Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather here today. Um, I pray that uh, as we dissect and really understand what you're trying to say here in James 4, that our hearts would be humbled, that we would hear and listen to the words being spoken, um, not as my words, but what you are trying to say into our hearts, Lord. I pray that we would... um, see something new about you, that you would reveal yourself to us, and that we would just fall more in love with you today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather, and even though we're remote or um, watching this stream, that we are together um, worshiping you as a big entire church family. So I pray that you would bless this day, bless this time together in your name. Amen. So last week, Mel brought the word on James 3 and really challenged us about our words. Um, What we say specifically can be life-giving or cause destruction. It says, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse who are made in God's likeness. So Mel led us through the passage to see that we need wisdom, Uh, wisdom that is not from ourselves, but wisdom from God. You see, while God's wisdom, it is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering without pretense, and the fruits of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate it. That was from James 3.17. So while our hearts can be filled um, While we know God's wisdom is all of this, pure, peace-loving, our hearts can still be filled with envy, selfish ambition, causing disorder and evil practices. So that is where we kind of left off last week. Um, Be sure to check it out on probably on YouTube. But today we're picking it up from um, there. So as we read into chapter four, James is continuing to prove his point that people have been living in a worldly and unspiritual way, that they are choosing their own wisdom over God's. He is pointing out to them that when they're living in this way, following their own wisdom, they will fight to get whatever uh, they want, even if it means to wage war or to kill. And this is how James starts off his chapter, pointing out the obvious and calling them out. So starting in verse one, what is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes the enemy of God. So if this letter was in digital form, I feel like there would be a lot of grimace grimace emojis uh, surfacing or, you know, the meme with Homer kind of getting lost in the hedges. 
when, especially when um, James calls them out saying, you adulterous people. But I think James here uses such intense label on what people are doing to help them see that their actions are causing them to be unfaithful, unfaithful followers of God, that we choose ourselves over for what God has for us. The world's wisdom states that humans are responsible to identify what they want out in life and to make a plan to get it at all, at all costs. James here is trying to point out that when we live in our own wisdom, we are actually living in our pride. So the word pride in Greek is hooperephanos, defined as showing oneself above others, overshining, trying to be more than what God directs, going beyond faith he imparts. So here in the passage, people are at, at war, fights with one another, and James is pointing out that the root problem is their pride. People are putting their own desires, own motives at the cost of others. Their pride is blinding them to trust God. Often we can read the Bible and see people um, in the stories, in the passage as others. Um, we can discount um, that what is being said to them is um, not really applicable to us today. Um, firstly, um, that is pride. And secondly, um, I want us to see that we are actually these people in this passage today. So why, do we, why are we prideful? I wanted to break down some reasons why we are prideful. We want our own desires fulfilled. We want control of our lives. We want to prove ourselves better than others. It is our human and uh, sinful nature that we are at the core our prideful people. We put ourselves over others. We make decisions based on our own motives. And um, more importantly and more uh, severely, um, we try to be more than what God directs. So I want us to quiet our hearts right now. Um, where is God challenging you today? What area of your life is he nudging you to add, that he is asking to release to him? Where is there pride in your life? Where are you trying to insert your own wisdom um, instead of um, asking God to lead to, uh, to that outcome? Most often than not, in our pride, we, we try to control the thing we fear most to lose. What is that for you today? Although James calls out our sinful nature, he gives us instructions on how to uh, live as people of faith. So in verse 6, it says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So instead of being people of pride, pridefulness, um, we are to be people of humility. But what does it exactly look like to be humble? How do we go about doing that? So today I want to highlight four ways, and not three, four ways that James um, instructs us on what humility should look like when it's lived out. 
We can read it here in verses 7 and 8. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if you're taking notes, uh, the first point is that humility is to submit. I found a quote by C.S. Lewis that says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking yourself as less. I'll say that again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking yourself as less. Humility is active, not passive. I think sometimes we, when we see humility, or think of the word humility of being a characteristic, um, we can put ourselves as thinking less of ourselves. We think, therefore, the best way to be humble is not to do, to be passive, to quiet ourselves, to take on instructions and not really act. Um, and that is the best way to be humble. But I think James wants us to see that humility requires action. Humility is thinking ourselves as less and then responding to that truth. So if this is true, if we are less, then there is a gap. There is a spot missing that needs to be filled. If we aren't relying on ourselves, we can't help but to need to rely on someone or something else to fill that spot that once was ours, but now is empty. We can see that here in this chapter, James points out our destruction that comes when, when we rely on our own strength. James today is inviting us to, to submit to God. So what does it look like or mean to actually submit, to submit to God? So big picture, um, to submit is to surrender. A big part of our pride is that we constantly want to be in control. We can see here in the first couple of verses, the fighting, the wars, they happened because the people wanted control. They took um, matters into their own hands. They used the calibration of their passions and desires to be determining factors of their actions. We have always said that um, we, emotions are important but that we should use it as an assessment and not an, an indicator of how to respond. And I think we, it, same, it, the same goes for our passions and desires. I've actually wrestled for a while and um, sometimes still do about the concept of passions and desires for a long time. Um, and I've come to the realization that while these things are good, our passions and desires, and they're often um, coming from God, that um, God is still greater. Submitting to God is allowing his goodness to be greater than what we think it should be. Often, again, passions and desires are good. And they are things that we probably want most in life. But are we willing to surrender them and give them to God? Do we trust that God's goodness is greater? 
in verse 13 to 15, it says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be. For you are like a vapor that appears for a while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. We are like a vapor that vanishes. We are a tiny speck of dust on a tiny speck of dust in this huge universe. Yet, we think that we know best. When we surrender to God, place him in the correct position as the conquering king, he actually wants to give us goodness. He wants to give us grace. When we do that, we actually get to start receiving the benefits of his reign. Although we are this little speck of dust on this little speck of dust, we are still beneficiaries of his glory. How beautiful is that? Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Allow God to be in control. Give him the thing that you're most fearful of letting go. It's scary always to surrender, um, to surrender control, not knowing the outcome. But when we do, when we become reliant on God rather than ourselves, we can trust that he honors that. So if we continue to read um, in verses 7 and 8, Humility is first to submit to God. Second, it says, um, uh, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So point two, if you're taking notes, humility is to resist the devil. We can see in this chapter that in our own power, we are sinful, um, laying that down, reminding ourselves over and over. We are selfish trying to please ourselves, and that is exactly what the devil wants. And James points that out too. This is not a battle within our own selfishness, our selfish amb uh, ambitions, but it is also um, a battle within the world. Don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The devil is working so hard that we will fall into temptation, um, relying on ourselves, relying on the world, um, that he is fighting so that we would separate ourselves from God. We can see the world and be tempted. Um, there's treasures of this world um, that are enticing. But you see, treasures of this world is like going to a store and seeing the biggest sale ever, yet to only realize the clothes are only $5 off. And yes, Aritzia, I'm talking to you. It's enticing yet deceiving. We can see uh, things of this world which seem like they are a great offer, success, money, etc., etc., which I believe um, they are great. But are we first submitting to God, resisting to the devil, to have our eyes set on what is um, unseen versus what is seen? Are our treasures on this earth 
where moths and vermins destroy? Or can we resist, submit to God, trusting the treasures we have in heaven? So how do we uh, actually go about doing this? Um, Resist the devil seems a little intimidating, but after doing some digging around, I found that the word resist actually comes from two Greek words, um, which means stand and against. So James is telling us to stand against the devil. So this reminded me of Ephesians 6, um, 10 to 11, um, the armor of God. It says, finally, be strengthened by the Lord by his vast strength, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. In our own strength, we will be defeated um, by, the ge- by the battle against the devil and sin day after day. But if we take action in our humility, God is the one who strengthens us. He is the one who gives us protection. All we have to do is stand against Stand with the belt of truth, who Jesus is and what he has done for us. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, living our lives rooted in God's word. Always be ready to go, wearing the sandals of the gospel of peace. Protect ourselves with a shield of faith, trusting that God's goodness and promises when evil strikes. Wear the helmet of salvation, the Holy Spirit convicting, sealing our conviction of what Jesus' death and resurrection has done for us. Fight and defend with the sword of the Spirit, God's word defeating our enemies. And finally, pray at all times. In this passage, Paul writes in Ephesians, he talks about having prepared everything to take your stand. So as we put on our armor, um, the standing firm, standing against is a daily thing. We have to be prepared. We need to be on guard and ready for when we have to resist um, the evil day. So how are you putting on your armor each day? How are you preparing to take your stand? I think we have such a great outlet um, to do that where we can put on our armor, be prepared, and that is in our simple church. Um, Weekly, daily, daily rhythms, opening the word together, serving, gathering um, collectively to worship like we are today, celebrating what he has been doing in our church through daily devos. This is how we put on our armor each day. This is how we prepare to stand. Together, collectively, we are fighting against um, the evil day to come. I want to highlight the very last instruction. It says, pray at all times. I was thinking to myself, why is this so hard to do? And I think, again, it's a humility thing. It's a releasing of control to God thing. Um, prayer is a recognition of God, of who God is and allowing our hearts to be strengthened in him. I think that we as a church, um, as a church that stands firm, that does the things, um, serves so faithfully. Um, but what if we are a church that was first filled with prayer? 
overflowing with the recognition that God moves mountains, does the supernatural, changes hearts. I believe that we would be an unstoppable force on our campuses, where the mission to see people made fully alive will be seen all over the world, not just in our nation. Let us stand firm against the devil, and he will flee from us. Therefore, submit to God. That was point number one. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Point number two. My third point is that humility is to draw near to God. And when we do, it says he will draw near to us. I don't know about you, but I'm very, very bad at directions. I'm a great parallel parker, but if you ask me where to go, I will likely lead you the wrong way. Um, I'm so bad, in fact, that one time I went to Caden Lucas's house in our McMaster region, and they're about a 15-minute drive from my house. But I ended up on an hour detour, finding myself in Brantford um, because my phone was dead and I didn't have a GPS. So very bad um, with directions. I mentioned before that pride can blind us. We can get caught up in ourselves and we can't see past, um, past ourselves. We uh, only find when we all that, when all that we can see is ourselves only to find ourselves far from God. We can think that we know where we're going, um, what we need to do, but before we know it, we're lost. I always find that in my own pride, I think that God is not there, he's not present, he's forgotten about me, but in reality, he is always the one waiting. We are the ones pulling away. We are the ones getting lost. God has never distanced himself from us. When we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. So drawing near is to be close, to be near. Um, and I picture, um, I had a picture come up in my mind of these two watercolor um, paints that um, if you put them really close together and there's some water in there, they would start to merge together and start to become a different color. When we draw near to God, it means that we are changed by his heart. This is why James put such an emphasis on faith. I mentioned a couple weeks before, faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is unseen. Although we cannot see, in our faith, we, um, our, our hearts change for what he hopes for. So Welcome Week is right around the corner, less than a month away for most of our regions. Um, and I actually think we have such a big opportunity um, as it is our first Welcome Week back since um, the pandemic. We have seen it over the summer, um, but there's been a shift in our culture, in the spiritual realm, where people are more open and interested to learning about who Jesus is. And I believe that this is gonna be the theme of this year. With us, with such a big opportunity, this is a time where we have to draw near to God. 
we have to prepare to fight. We love to see people get connected into our church and our church family, but we are not fighting for bums in a seat, as we would say, but we are fighting for their souls. We want them to experience the gospel, the peace that it brings in the busyness of this world. Again, I'm going to emphasize prayer at all times. Are we taking the 10 weeks of prayer seriously? Mel has, and her team has um, laid out um, a prayer every day leading up to Welcome Week. And are we doing that? Are we taking time, um, time apart to align our hearts to be expectant? God is working on our campuses, working in our lives, in the lives of those in our simple church. Let us draw near and see and experience how he's going to move this year. Therefore, number one, submit to God. Number two, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Um, number three, we just talked about draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The last thing James is pointing out is that humility is to cleanse your hands and purify your hearts. To simply put it, humility is to repent. So repenting is a turning away from, um, turning the other way. Um, so if you're going down one street and um, going the other way. So in this case, it's recognizing that we have been living a life of our own selfish ambition, our own control, believing that our way is better. We turn away from, um, so when we repent, we are turning away from being the Lord of our lives and giving God the reins as he is king. When we do that, like it says, we will be exalted in him. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So James here lays out to live a life of humility. But it isn't in our humility that earns God's grace. Humility merely puts us in a position to receive that grace that he gives freely. For many reasons, in our pride, we are not able to receive his grace. We are blinded, etc., etc. Um, whole list of things. And you can say it's too busy. Um, we're too busy focusing on ourselves, um, focusing on our own desires, trying to control our own lives. Um, but I actually think the biggest reason why in our pride we're not able to receive his grace is because in our pride, we are trying to prove ourselves worthy. In Romans 5, 6, it says, while we are still helpless at that time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely someone will die for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us that while we are still sinners, while we are still prideful, living our own lives, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have been justified by his blood, will we, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God 
through the death of his son. And how much more, having been reconciled with him, will be saved by his life. And not only that, but we are also boast to boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. God's grace is greater than our pride. Our pride tells us that we have to do something in order to earn it while living in humility and receiving his grace is coming as you are. It is a gift that is freely given that we get to receive. The world tells us there's a cost to our lives while Jesus says, I have paid the wages of sin and my gift is eternal life. Maybe you today are listening to um, this message right now and that is something that you needed to hear. Maybe if it's for the hundredth time or the fifth time, whatever it may be, I pray that you be reminded that God's love is faithful, that we do not have to prove ourselves worthy for he wants you for who you are, not by what you do. If you have never, if you're watching and have never heard or accepted this grace um, that we have laid out here, I pray that you would humble your hearts to receive it. Would you see that God loves you, that he wants relationship with you, that there is nothing that you can or cannot do to deserve his love, but we simply get to receive it. This is our invitation today. Although we are prideful, it, through God's grace, we live in humility. Let us submit, stand, stand and resist the devil, draw near and repent, knowing that we, we are met with his grace and his faithful love. Because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish, for his mercy never ends. They are, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that um, we don't have to do anything to receive your love, that your mercies are new each day, that your grace has been given to us, that is far greater than our pride, Lord. I pray that as we um, think about those in our simple churches, those coming to our campuses, that we would be excited um, for what you're going to do um, on each of our campuses in each of their lives, Lord. I pray that you would help us to humble our hearts, um, to submit to you knowing that you love us and that there's nothing that can change that, Lord. I pray that you would um, help each simple church to um, stand firm, put on um, the armor, um, be prepared for um, the battle to um, see people know you, Lord. I pray that within the next coming weeks that we would continue to draw near to you, Lord. And I pray for those who um, feel like they have been living this life of pride um, and who have may never confessed um, this or have 
uh, or need to, Lord. I pray that you would um, remind them of your grace and remind them of who you are and your love for them. Um, thank you that you are a good God, that you're faithful, and that your love is constant. I pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thanks, church. I'm really glad to be um, bringing the word, and we'll see you next week here at 4 p.m. Bye.